Hey, I'm Dr. Rob. Welcome to Biblical Genetics. I came down to the Rhea County Courthouse in Dayton, Tennessee to film an episode for you because I was in the neighborhood and I said, I got to stop here. This is where the Scopes Monkey Trial happened in 1925. This is where evolution was put on trial in America. And even though theoretically the Christianity anti-evolution side won, they really didn't, and evolution really won, even though they didn't. And what a very complicated picture this is. This is the end of the 1800s, the glass gasp of, of generic cultural Christianity, and is being torn apart by this new thing called evolution. And most Christians at the time had settled on the thought that, okay, we could have millions of years. Now, I don't believe that, but they settled on, we could have millions of years, we could have evolution of other organisms, which you can't have human evolution. So let's set the stage for these world-changing events. What happened was Tennessee, along with 19 other states, had passed a law that restricted the teaching of evolution in public school. Now, it didn't restrict the teaching of the Earth being billions of years old or even general evolution. It specifically targeted human evolution. That was unacceptable to the secularists, the atheists, the evolutionary community, not that those are always synonymous, but this group of people who, who couldn't tolerate this. So the ACLU searched around for someone who'd be willing to be the fall guy to test this in court. And they found a man named John Scopes. This is also called the Scopes trial. He was a football coach who had a training in, in law who had substitute taught at a biology class in the state. Now, later on, he admitted that he probably never actually violated the law, but he had agreed that for the purpose of the trial, he would say that he had violated the law so that this, this law could be tested. Now, even though it failed here, it doesn't mean that it's going to fail in other places, but actually it didn't fail here. Interestingly, because Scopes was found guilty. Oh, but he was only found guilty because his lawyer proclaimed that he would like to plead guilty. But So that would bring it up to the next level, which would be an appeals court. Oh, what a big mess. But what happened was two of the great titans of American culture at the time. One of them was William Jennings Bryant, a man who would run for president three times. He almost won being the president. But the guy was a socialist. The guy was preaching to the masses this radical redistribution of wealth. So in some ways, he was further to the left of the current U.S. president and at least one former U.S. president, probably more than one. But he, he was an avowed socialist coming out of this utopian movements of the 1800s. You're talking about the Quakers and the Shakers and the, the, even the Mormons, this utopian sort of, of um, millennialist sort of, a, the world is going to get better and we're going to work on it sort of thing. But interestingly, I don't think I would have voted for William Jennings Bryan, even though he was a gentleman. He was a good man. He was a, a, spoke like a Christian, claimed he was a Christian, and yet he wouldn't have been on my side economically or even political. I don't think I would have associated myself with the laissez-faire, you know, robber baron sort of business titans in the 1800s either. I'm not sure because I didn't live back then. I live now. Now we have Republicans and Democrats and you people in other countries, you have your own political parties. And so we can't really transport ourselves back 100 years. But if I did, I don't think I would have voted for Brian, even though he'd be on my side culturally today. Very complicated. History is really cool. History is filled with fascinating anecdotes. Is here you have this man named Brian, William Jennings Bryan, who believed in evolution, who believed that the earth is millions or billions of years old. 
he just didn't believe in human evolution. And interestingly, I think he understood that if human evolution were true, then all of his socialistic causes would be moot. Because if evolution is true, then the only thing the individual would be concerned about is passing their genes to the next generation to make sure that their children were well taken care of it. Who cares about everybody else? Now, if you can use some of the other people to help your children and your genes get to the next generation, fine. But that doesn't mean that you need an entire civilization all working together. In fact, that would be counterproductive to my genes and my drive to get myself represented in the future because nature is red in tooth and claw and all that kind of stuff. And now Brian knew that, so therefore he did not believe in human evolution, and he supported the Butler Act. William Jennings Bryan was pitted against a snake, a man who could say things and lie through his teeth only because he wanted to get where he wanted to go, and he was willing to trample people in the process. This man was Clarence Darrow, a committed atheist, a committed anti-Christian, a committed evolutionist. Darrow was the most famous lawyer in the world at the time. He had just gotten finished with what was called the trial of the century. Now that it's not OJ, this is 1925, not 1995, but the trial of the century, these two rich kids in Chicago, Leopold and Loeb, had decided that they were gonna murder their neighbor, apparently for the fun of it. And they got caught and all the evidence was pointing at them as being guilty and everybody knew that they were going to die because back then we had the death penalty. Now, I don't know what form of education of execution was in use in Illinois at the time, but they were doomed. And so this trial commenced. It was a huge media storm. And, well, Darrow helped encourage the media storm, and he was ready. We had the judge, the jury, prosecution, and the defense. And he was a defense. And the first thing in an American uh, courtroom, the judge has the defense, how would you like to plead? And Darrow stands up, and to the shock and horror of everyone watching and listening, he said, Your Honor, my clients would like to plead guilty. What? Guilty? These guys are going to hang, and everybody knew it. Well, yes, he did. He did exactly that, and there was a reason for it. For you see, after that plea is made, the trial's over. The jury goes away prosecution goes away. No facts are brought forth for the judge to consider. None at all. The only thing the judge has to go on is the defense attorney's closing statement. And Darrow took three days to give his closing statement. He just talked and talked and talked and talked, and it was typed out. And that defense became a textbook used in American legal schools for the next 50 years. And do you know what he said? In essence, everything boils down to my clients could not help themselves because they're just a product of the revolutionary heritage. Now, put that thought into the modern time and how we struggle with modern legal systems and why can't we prosecute bad guys? And why do bad guys get let free? And all? Well, it's their circumstances that are leading to their reactions. Is it not true? Therefore, it's not really their fault. And you can add to that another frustration, another application of evolution to American legal system it's called the living constitution. That thought, the thought that words change and meanings of words, that they can be reinterpreted over time, almost like words can evolve or understanding of words can evolve, came to us from Oliver Wendell Holmes, supposedly the conservative jurist of a Supreme Court. But what he did was he directly applied evolutionary thought 
to the law, and therefore he gave us the idea of a living constitution. Now, happily, that has been, uh, well, Scalia in modern times completely trounced that, and now we have originalism is coming back to the fore, and I hope that we could hold on to that for a little while longer. But this is this, this interface of evolution and the legal system, and evolution influences everything it touches, including what we can and cannot teach in the public school system. Now, granted, I don't like gag orders. Even if I don't like evolution, I would love evolution not to be taught as a fact in school. I still believe in freedom of inquiry and freedom of thought because that's how we build a just, a just society and that's how we build an equitable society. And yet, it is true that when a certain group becomes the dominant group, they're going to, just because of human nature, because we act in groups, they're going to bend things in their favor. That is true throughout all of human history, and it is certainly true today. So we can rail against the past, how you know, like Christianity ruined this country, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, you know what? The atheists are ruining the country today from my perspective, because my viewpoint is not the majority. It is absolutely not. And I know that because I see the winds of change and, and the way things are blowing and the way things are changing. Okay, so that was a long a, a detour into the world of politics, and this is not about politics, and it probably made some of you mad, even if what I just said. This is a show on genetics. So where does genetics come in? Well, genetics comes in when we introduce Hunter's Civic Biology. That is the textbook that was used in Tennessee at that time. And Hunter's Civic Biology taught evolution and taught human evolution directly. So it was actually in violation of the state law at the time. The civic biology was written basically for city kids who didn't know much about the natural world. That's what it was focusing on. And for some reason, this rural state of Tennessee decided to use a city slicker textbook, which contradicted its own law, and it was just a big mess. But Hunter, Hunter Civic Biology also directly taught that white people are superior. That is abhorrent. And that should have been abhorrent to anyone at the time. And yet, the culture, the dominant culture, had accepted that as a fact. And it was wrong. And Christians should have rebelled against it. Christians should have said no. Or for some strange reason, they didn't. About the same time frame as the Scopes Monkey Trial was a new discovery, a fossil called Nebraska Man. This is one of the many missing links that have been um, propo proposed throughout the last 150 or so years. It was a fraud, and we knew that right after the trial ended, everyone said, oh, hey, huh, the pig's tooth, whoops. But Nebraska man, I think, was done on purpose because William Jennings Bryan was from Nebraska. And this man is arguing against human evolution, and they claim to have found evidence of human evolution from his own home state. So he was Nebraska man. He was the troglodyte. He was the caveman. He was the one who was refusing to accept scientific advancement. And I think it was done politically. I think people's minds back then, they would have associated Nebraska man and Bryan together because of his association with Nebraska. Years after the tribe, two guys got together and they wrote a play. It was a very famous play in the day. Now, you young people listening to this or watching this, uh, you're probably not familiar with this, but it was certainly part of my upbringing. I was very familiar with this. In fact, when I was teaching high school, uh, between my undergraduate and graduate years, they performed this play at the school. It was a nominal Christian school. In fact, the, the atheist teacher who was the head of the, uh, the department, the arts department, he decided to have this play, and it was a play about the trial. And knowing where I was, he invited me to sit in the jury box next to the stage during the play. And I, I took it well enough. It was kind of funny. But, but I had also written an essay in a school paper 
explaining the difference between the play and reality because the play is a piece of propaganda. It was called Inherit the Wind. The play actually switched the characters of William Jennings Bryan and Clarence Darrow, and they made Bryan into a raving madman. I mean, this man was a gentleman. This man was a professional, and they made him look like an absolute crazy man who actually died on the floor in the courthouse as all his friends are deserting him when the trial's over. He did die a couple days after the trial uh, of complications from diabetes and stress and the heat, but he didn't die here. And the, the way they phrase him, there's that the preacher preaches a sermon in the play that's all God hates you and God's vengeful sort of stuff. I mean, this is not Christianity. And they made a mockery of Christianity, made a mockery of Brian, even though, yeah, he made himself an easy target. But it's a piece of propaganda. It became a very famous movie. Uh, Spencer Tracy, the famous actor in the early 60s, was, was, the, was the lead actor in this movie. So it was super famous. Everybody knew about it. And the title was Inherit the Wind, which comes from Proverbs 11.29. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. And the assumption was that William Jennings Bryan was troubling American society. He inherited the wind, which is emptiness and death and the desertion of all of his friends because he was fighting against free will and free thought. Now, I am all for free thought. I am all for open classrooms and open discussion. But that's not how human nature works. It is not. When you get a group of people that become the dominant group, they influence things such that things always favor themselves. That's how humans work. And in the early 1900s, most Americans would have called themselves a Christian and they wanted some sort of a Christian, you know, society to live in. But, well, Brian died in the process and Christianity took a big hit. But interestingly, evolution also took a big hit. Because textbooks and schools after the monkey trial, they minimized evolution. And evolution was, was, was in the background, but not in the foreground of American education until the late 1950s, when the Soviets, America's arch enemy during the Cold War, launched the world's first satellite called Sputnik. And when Sputnik was circling the Earth, the evolutionist says, or said, that the Soviets have advanced beyond us in science. We need to teach science. We need to catch up. We need to do nothing but do science, science, science. You know what? Evolution is part of science, so evolution has to come to the classroom. And that's when it happened. It was in a lull state for decades, and Sputnik was their, their excuse for getting it back in. But interestingly, something I learned recently, America had the ability to launch a satellite. We had the rockets. We were ready to go. But the president asked... Uh, Warner von Braun to not launch the rocket till after the Soviets did. Because once the Soviets sent a, a satellite around the Earth, everyone said, oh, everyone can launch a satellite now. But if we had done it, we were worried that they would have said that this was an uh, instigation to a war. We were worried about what they, how they would react. So the evolutionists used a politically manipulated event to politically manipulate and get evolution back into uh, education. If you're interested in more, go to creation.com, just type in Scopes Trial, and you'll get my analysis of the 100th year anniversary, which is next year, of the Scopes Trial. It's pretty detailed. And you'll also come up with, um, if you type in Hunter Civic Biology or Hunters or Civic, 
or even scopes, you'll come up with my review of Hunter Civic Biology. Because I sat down and I read that textbook and I was shocked and horrified about what I read. These things should not have been being taught in the classroom. In fact, these things could not be taught today because they're racist and because scientifically just flawed. It's just some bad ideas in this textbook. So the textbook was bad. The case was bad. The defense attorney was a wrong choice. And in the end, Christianity lost. Even though Scopes was found guilty, Christianity in the guise of William James Bryan was made to look really stupid. You have to understand that our opponents, the opponents of Christianity, are determined and they're smart and they're playing a long game. And you know, if we laugh at them, a lot of times they don't care because they're just working on a way to make us feel bad. And a lot of people, when they're humiliated in public, they stop speaking. Intimidation is a profound and strong tactic that the enemy uses just to silence people. No, I feel it. I feel intimidated, but I don't like when people laugh at me. I don't like getting up on stage in, in, in intimidating circumstances. And yet I do it anyway because I'm called to. So Christian, are you intimidated by the culture that you live in today? Well, part of that is because of the history of all the stuff that's been happening over the last several hundred years. It's by design. They want you to be intimidated because intimidated people tend not to speak. And the less a Christian speak, the less Christian influence there is on this modern, now secular world. But we are called to speak. We're also called to be equipped. And we cannot be as ill-equipped as William Jennings Bryan was when he walked like a doofus right into the middle of the snake pit and he got bit and he got torn apart and it made Christianity look bad. We're called, though, to defend the faith, to do it honorably, to do it logically, to do it powerfully, we can stand on the Bible and defend it rationally and with, with great conviction, without contradictions and, and hypocrisies, because it is true. But in order to do that, you really have to face the opposition square, and you have to understand where they're coming from, and you have to understand the tactics that they're using, and those tactics are very hard to deal with sometimes. But that's why Biblical Genetics is here. Hopefully I'm helping some of you with this. And before I go, I want to thank all my supporters. I picked up several new supporters on patreon.com recently. I thank you so much. And there's one particular person that every time I post a video, she drops uh, several coffees on buymeacoffee.com uh, toward me. And I really appreciate that. Thank you all so much. Uh, there'll be links in the show notes if you want to contribute. Also, also the links in the show notes That'll bring you to my other episodes of Biblical Genetics and my vast list of articles, videos, and um, podcasts that I've done on creation.com. Because Creation Ministries International is my main employer. It's just a little side geek that I'm doing so I get to focus more on genetics. And I know today wasn't a lot about genetics. It's mainly about politics and history, but that's part of the picture also.